My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. A spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Jokes about menstruation are not funny. Period. Okay, so some are. Shame and stigma around the completely natural, beautiful, amazing function. Not so funny. <laughs> Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and today we are going to explore common myths about menstruation, an awesome period hack you're going to want to try out, why Aunt Flo is a huge feminist issue, and more with a woman who's making waves in this phase all over the world, and she's entertaining folks in the process. We'll also learn about a fabulous, fun freebie from our resident sex and relationships expert, Dr. Megan Fleming. It's really cool, and it's designed to help you attract and create relationships you love, which is what Dr. Megan is all about. Seriously, you don't want to miss it. For links to resources we cover today and a whole lot more, be sure to visit my website, augustmclaughlin.com. McLaughlin is M-C-L-A-U-G-H-L. LIN.com and sign up for occasional email updates. I hope you'll also subscribe to Girl Boner Radio on iTunes if you haven't and leave a simple review while you're there. Now I'm so stoked to welcome today's guest. Clara Henry is a comedian and Scandinavian YouTube sensation. At age 12, she launched her first blog, and today she has hundreds of thousands of followers on her YouTube channel, Instagram, and Twitter. In Sweden, she won Writer of the Year in 2016 Health Awards for her book, I've Got My Period, So What?, which is so funny and so insightful and super informative. Thank you so much for being here, Clara. Thank you for having me. So, so I excited. have to ask about your YouTube journey because yeah. you are this sensation, literally. <laughs> so many people are tuning in. Could you tell us how that kind of evolved for you? Sure. Um, well, as you said, I started my first blog when I was uh, around 12, something like that, and um, just wrote about my life and things I've I thought about and n- nothing special, really. But then I soon figured that I wanted to be funny and I wanted to entertain. So I tried that and it didn't work out that well. And then when I was 17, I realized that some things are funny when you write them, while some things are funny when you speak them, like how you pronounce things and stuff like that. So I just started doing YouTube videos instead that I could publish on my blog. And then I, I, I did like three or four of them. And then I just made one about uh, a soda, uh, a Swedish soda called uh, Apothekarnas, which is there is a, like a play on words in there, which is not translatable at all. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I reckon that many Swedes have ne- had never thought about this uh, name or this play on words before. So I did a video about that and it got viral in Sweden and suddenly I had lots of YouTube followers. And wow. So I just continued doing YouTube. And at what point did you decide to start exploring menstruation and, and kind of the stigmas around it? Um, I think that it all started on Twitter. 
when I had a couple of followers, like uh, uh, some years into my uh, YouTube career. Um, I just, I like, I tweet about everything in my life. I tweet about things that I think of. And since I'm menstruating, like one fifth of my time, <laughs> then obviously I'm going to think about my period. So I think I tweeted about my cramps once or twice. And then the next month I did it again. And I thought it was a fun way to just ma make my cramps easier to, to make jokes out of them. And then suddenly one girl asked me uh, on Twitter, Clara, why do you always speak about your period? Always. Yeah. And I was like, do I? No, I don't. Uh, but then I started thinking about this and maybe um, came to the realization that um, not many people speak about their cramps or their period in that kind of way. And that kind of it's uh, something that people people notice in another way than uh, if I had spoken about milk or yeah. something ordinary. So uh, I after this, I made a video about cramps and uh, the reactions to that video was very split. So one one side, like one part of the audience were like, you, this is gross. Stop speaking about your period. We don't want to know. Keep it to yourself. Um, and the other part were like, wow, so you also have cramps. This is interesting. And my audience by then were um, they were quite young. Uh, so I guess they had never spoken about their period and uh, became interested when uh, somebody like me, who I, I guess I'm like f maybe five years older than they were then, um, when I suddenly started speaking about it, like it was nothing. nothing. Um, so that was the first video. And I was kind of blown away by the response that I got. And I, I loved the positive comments and I... I felt like the negative comments were like just something that made me want to speak even more about it. Yeah, it was like fuel, like yeah. inspiration, because it's validation for this is necessary. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's something that happens all the time. Yeah. It's uh, I think it's like 17.3% of the like the population of the world who has a uterus that are bleeding every day. And that's lots of millions of people. So it's... Uh, it's funny how we are taught that it's something that we're not supposed to talk about. So true. So true. I was really fascinated by your experience in, I think it was a sex ed class, mm -hmm. which is where we learn about menstruation typically here in the U.S. too. And it's usually, I think you said it was like 15 minutes. And I remember my own experience of it was because sex ed here is very uh, kind of fear-based for the most part. And it's like, mm. oh, no, all these bad things could happen. <laughs> and there were a couple good things, but not for people with uterus. Yeah. It was more <laughs> like, uh, look out, watch out, and then you'll get cramps and bleed a lot. And it was kind of terrifying. And is that is that kind of common in Sweden as well? Is that the norm? Because it sounds like your listeners and, and, and viewers were um, needing that information and maybe they weren't learning much in school. Yeah. I don't think the fear part is the same in Sweden. I think it's more um, like the topic is pregnancy and everything you learn is some kind of... Um, like related to fertility and... Yeah. And, um, 
protecting yourself from pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. You learn how to protect yourself. You learn how to get pregnant. And you learn that if you're not pregnant, then you'll get your period. And that's basically everything you learn. And then you, you're taught that if you put this pad in your underwear, then nobody will know that you're on your period. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the way you, we were taught or I yeah. was taught uh, when I was like 10. And it's... Uh, when you think about it, when I've thought about this afterwards, I think it's strange that I was never taught how to deal with my period. I was never taught that it would hurt or that I would uh, get PMS or um, how how I could just make these days go by without being in pain or whatever. So it's funny how it, it's all about getting pregnant and th that we should should avoid this at a young age uh, while I like I've had my period I don't know how many hundred times and I've never had a child yeah so, it, that so, is interesting isn't it that context yeah, that it's yeah. always associated when it is it's such a normal part of life your whole book explores and debunks a lot of myths I think about mm. menstruation is there one myth that you find yourself debunking over and over or one that's kind of most common I think I get kind of annoyed when people like there's there's this uh, common thought I, I think that when somebody is on their period they get grumpy or angry or whatever I think that people need to learn the difference between PMS and the menstruation because biologically the hormonal levels are the best when you start beating because everything's just reset and it's super even and it all begins and there's that relief again. like instantly for me yeah. where it goes from the pms part to like it's just like ah yeah like you just i just feel like it lifts yeah and you get creative and everything just works yeah and i think i mean your PMS can still go on like the first couple of days of your period. And I mean, I, I'm not the happiest when I have cramps. Like it's hard to be happy when you're in pain. Um, but I, I think it's just a common misconception that people on their periods are um, annoyed people. Uh, yes. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up for many reasons, one of which... I personally feel that PMS kind of works like a magnifying glass on our emotions at times. And, you know, I can only speak for myself and, and friends who I've spoken with, but I, I've i never felt like it, it creates falsehoods. Like, it, I'm not going to get upset about something that normally I wouldn't be upset about. Like, yeah. people think there's like this lunatic thing that happens. And, and to me, I feel like there's high sensitivity. So something that is bothering me that I've been sort of letting slide mm. might become more apparent. Yeah. And in that way, it's like a power. Like, that's so cool because I'm able to go, oh, if this is, this is actually a really something worth addressing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also that um, I've had this thought that like, what if people without uteruses or what if men had had PMS. Uh, I think it would be something that's seen upon as something deep and it's poetical and <laughs> yeah. they can go into their selves and be all dark and yeah. difficult. Moody and yeah. artistic or something. Yeah, while women are seen upon as just uh, 
hysterical. Hysterical, yeah. yeah. That's such a common word to describe women. And I think that's a real problem, that women are either hysterical or just when they don't have... When, they, when women are not angry or irritated or upset, or maybe if women just um, don't have an opinion about something, then that's just the common... Uh, that's how a woman should be. And if a woman does get angry or upset or whatever, uh, even if, it, like, no matter if she's on her period or on her PMS or not, then she's hysterical. Yes, I actually remember a, a guy friend of mine when I was in my teens explaining to me that a woman could never be preg- uh, president because, oh God, what if what happens when she gets her period? Like, yeah. she might bomb a country, you know, just, it's amazing. And I remember at that time, kind of trying to understand like, oh, well, that kind of makes sense. You know, and my heart (laughs) breaks because I'm like, but it's kind of built into us and and normalized. Do you find that people are, when people respond to your videos and your content, do you see a a change when you start? Because I find that when you start a conversation, usually people are much more interested in engaging, whereas they might not bring it up themselves. I can only speak for Sweden because that's where I live and I meet my fans and everything. But there, it's it's massive and it's uh, fascinating to watch. And when I started, I didn't know that I would have such an impact. But it's not only me. There's a lot of activists in Sweden and menstruation is a really hot topic and has been for a couple of years. And I think it's because all of us has been speaking about the subject at the same time, because a lot of people that's much older than me have been speaking about this for a longer time, but they've been quite alone about it. And I guess when we're more, uh, it becomes more visible. So uh, a lot of young girls, especially when they come up to me when I'm out and about and they want to take a picture and like most often they want to take a picture. So they say, hi, can I have a picture? And then they say bye and leave Uh, but if they want to speak to me like if they have something to to say it's almost always about how they've become more comfortable in their own bodies and how they no longer are ashamed ashamed of their period and how they've started to think about this and I mean it's not if you compare it to all the problems in the world uh, how people are oppressed in different ways it's it's not a big problem problem really it's it's a minor thing but I think that it's so important for young people and especially people who really who already are in a situation where they're not sure about who they are who who they want to be their bodies are changing Uh, and especially when like statistics show that girls aren't allowed to really take their space in for example a classroom I think if if they can if if I can help in some way to make periods less taboo then it's great it's just one step in the right direction. Yeah. And also like what you said about women uh, are like somebody uh, people say that women can't be in uh, high positions or as a president or whatever because what if they get their PMS? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like somebody, sh- this person should open like a history book and look, read what, which people have bombed other countries in the past. Yeah. It's not women. It's <laughs> right. not people with uteruses. Yes, it's so true. We have 
I think it heightens our empathy somehow, especially when you are struggling with something, you have more sensitivity to other people, which is a good thing, Mm -hmm. you know? And I do think that shame in general, when we have shame around a natural cycle in our bodies, it can have some pretty major impacts, you know, Mm -hmm. throughout our lives. So I I love the work that you're doing. And you talk about body image too, and specifically bloating and kind of that Mm -hmm. feeling like you're fat. What do you hope changes in that arena? Well, I hope that in in the future, and I hope that's not far away, I hope that fat isn't something negative, first and foremost, that it's just a way to describe a, a body. Like you're thin or you're fat or you're medium. Like yeah, n- nothing more to it. I, I hope that when people say, oh, I'm so fat, I hope that the response should be, yeah, you're beautiful, instead of, no, you're not, you're so skinny, and, like, there's something negative about being fat. Yes. I think it's it's sad, really, that you can't be the way your body is. It really is. It reminds me of the uh, conversations around aging, too. Mm. I feel like there's this idea that, if somebody believes you to be older than you are, it's like the most negative thing they can say to you. Mm, <laughs> you yeah. know, there's so many different ways that this sort of manifests. Has all of this work influenced how you feel about your own body and menstruation? Yeah, a lot, a lot. And I, I, I write about that in the book at, 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 um, in one part where I write about when I stopped shaving my legs. And that shaving my legs has always been what you're supposed to do. Like, I, I started shaving my legs when I was 12, I think. Which is, oh my God, when I think about it, 12. That's such a young age. Yeah. That's the first time I stood in the bathroom, like, just yeah. doing my legs. Um, and since everybody did it, you, you can't really question it, or you don't really question it. So um, I guess when I started to think, think about why do I do this? Is it for me or is it for somebody else and why? And I couldn't really come up with an answer because I I told myself this is for me because I like having smooth legs. Um, But then I got kind of mad that why, why is that an expectation? Why do people expect me to do that? And why don't they expect my brother to do that? So I thought, well, it saves me a lot of time to stop shaving my legs. So I tried and it was really hard in the beginning to just watch the hair grow and feeling it. And it was such a strange experience from what I was used to. Uh, So I think it took like six months and then I just stopped thinking about it. And then like when I did that, I also stopped thinking about other parts of my body that I had some kind of mental issue with. And I think it's, for me, it was a great way to just relax about my body. Yeah. I did something similar with high heels. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, there was Cannes Film Festival a Mm -hmm. couple of years ago. They turned some people away for showing up in flats. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember feeling very agitated. Like, how could you turn them away for wearing comfortable, supportive shoes? That's horrible. But... On the flip side of that, I also thought, I couldn't do that. Like, that sounds really brave to me to show up mm. in flats. Mm. So I challenged myself, and I remember at the very beginning feeling really uncomfortable. You yeah. get self-conscious, and you realize, but now it does. It, it made me think more about comfort 
like yeah. with my whole body. I think that's really powerful. What um, What are your kind of goals moving forward with all of this? Mm, that's so hard to say. <laughs> I think this is a huge goal that my book is in the U.S. That's I couldn't even dream about that. I thought like when we um, when we first went to the our publisher in Sweden and said, "Look, this is this is my idea." I want to write a book about periods. And they were like, so how are you going to fill a book about that? And I, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you have no idea. Oh I have gosh. so much to say about this. Yeah. Uh, so by then I thought, well, maybe if, if it finally becomes a book, then maybe somebody that follows my YouTube channel will maybe buy it. And then it just became like a huge success in Sweden and it's in eight countries now, nine with Sweden. And uh, that's just, I really can't believe it. Um, so it's wonderful. But I think uh, when it comes to my own goals, I don't know, it's hard to tell. It's hard to say. Very present, aren't you? You're very yeah. focused. That's great. That's great. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And tell us what the process was for writing it. Because when I hear, hear a book about periods, I'm thinking like there's so much, and from, yeah. you know, and and as you said, you could fill it up. Uh, but you you were very selective, it seems, and it's also very there's beautiful graphics and there's humor involved. How did you go about putting it together? Mm, well, I think. When I started writing it, I had done a couple of videos about periods already on YouTube or like 10, perhaps, or maybe less. I can't remember. Um, so I already had like thinking going because uh, they're all very popular videos. And when I speak about periods, people always request more period videos for some reason. So. Uh, it just became sort of my niche on, on YouTube for a while. And so I was always thinking about what can I bring up next? Um, so actually, it was uh, my manager, Mike, who first said that, shouldn't you write a book about this? And my reaction was like, ha ha ha, really? A book about periods? Really? Uh, <laughs> and then I, I started to think about it and realized how much I actually had to say about the subject. So when uh, when we went to the publisher, I think we had a first draft of like 20 pages, like an example of what the tone and the like the the yeah, how the book would look. And then I had six, I think, chapters that went from first of all, what is menstruation? What happens and why? And um so from that to how do you own your period? How do you, mm -hmm. what are life hacks to make life easier? And what can, um, how, how do you deal with it? Because that's something that you're never taught. You, you just have to figure that out yourself, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, when I was 13, I love a handbook uh, or a guide. Completely. I'm already thinking like all my nieces are going to get this. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> because it's so empowering. And it really does help you see your period as this beautiful natural thing and have fun reading about it. And I think that should be the case. Like why make it brutal or, yeah. you know, <laughs> what are some of your favorite hacks? Mm, well, my, my absolute favorite number one hack 
um, that was, <laughs> it, I think it's the first hack in the book as well. And then I, I had to come up with nine others to just make a list. But I've, I've realized that if you're, say you're in town, you're doing some shopping and you really need to go to the bathroom and you might not even be on your period. You just really desperately need to go to a bathroom. And um, sometimes there are only uh, staff toilets that you're not allowed to use if you're a customer. Uh, but I've realized that if you go and ask somebody in the staff about a toilet and they say, oh, sorry, we only have staff toilet. And you say, my tampon is leaking. I really need a toilet now then nobody refuses you. Everybody's like, oh, darling, of course, baby, come here. So <laughs> That's amazing. That is a great hack uh, to use. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I'm going to try that one. That's great. And how do you feel about, I know there are a lot of different products coming out. There's yeah. the period panties, and I've seen these little discs. I can't remember what they're called, but like you, the disc fills up. Uh, and then there's, I know you talk about the menstrual cup. Yeah. And then here in the States, I know, there's a kind of demand for more natural products. So now you can get like organic and yeah. cotton tampons. What are your thoughts on these uh, kind of new products? Because it seems like they stayed the same for a long time. Yeah. Um, I actually, I'm not very uh, familiar with the, the organic uh, things. Yeah. But uh, the menstrual cup is, it's the best. And I, I don't use it because I can't really, it doesn't work really. Uh, it leaks and things like that. But it's such a great idea and it's uh, environmentally friendly and it's like it's cheap regarding how many years you can use one. And I mean, you don't have to worry about bringing tampons or pads with you because you're always like carrying it inside of you. And it's it's such a great invention. That's it's yeah. I, I understand yeah. why people love the menstrual cup. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I know that here also a big crisis with menstruation is among homeless people. Yeah, and it hadn't occurred to me for years that that could be. I could give feminine hygiene products to homeless people. Yeah, but imagine having your period on the street. Yeah, you know, or having to use garbage or yeah. you know i we just take for granted so much is that something that you consider like do you feel like um is that a similar issue in sweden uh yes of course it's it's an issue and i think people tend to forget about this aspect uh especially since we're so bad at speaking about it and um i i was in the philippines a couple of years ago um for uh there's a show in Sweden called like the Music Aid so it's a radio show that also go it's broadcasted on TV and it's for a week and um they collect money for different uh, aids in the world in the world um so that year the theme was uh climate refugees i think so we were in the Philippines to do um coverage of uh, the typhoon situation because there's a lot of typhoons and people rebuild their houses like every third year because they are they're destroyed by typhoons and it's really sad so and when we were there it actually came a typhoon uh, so we thought like what can we do to help so we went to a big store and bought noodles and meats and soap and everything and 
it was my suggestion that we should buy pads as well. And nobody really thought about that. Uh, and it's, um, it's, it's not a... It doesn't come to mind. No, right? no. It's like we think canned goods. It's and it was interesting to me that it didn't come to my mind when I work in sexuality. Like it just it when it occurred to me, it just was like, oh my gosh. And I contacted one of the local shelters and they said it's one of their most in demand things yeah. because people don't think of it. So no. But yeah. we're so good at hiding it ourse- ourselves, I think. Yeah. Like when you're on absolutely. your period, you're so keen about just getting it over with in some way like you don't really speak about it and it might hurt a little but then you're you can take a painkiller and it's you forget about it yeah you try to disconnect yeah 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 so true I love that you said in your book that even as somebody who produces YouTube Mm. episodes about menstruation it's still would horrify you to be out in, you know, you're out in your white pants and yeah. you have your period. Do you still feel that way? Has that changed at all? Or is that even like a goal of yours to <laughs> to be like, I can menstruate anywhere? <laughs> um, well, it, it's changed my way of thinking about it, definitely. But I still, it, it would be hard to deal with. I, I, I'm not sure how I would react if I would bleed through my pants. Um, I made a video uh, like two years ago that I called, um, well, first of all, there's kind of a trend on Swedish YouTube to do fashion, um, like lookbook videos. And so I did a video called men's, men's autumn fashion and men's is periods in Swedish. So. Uh, I just walked around in the streets with uh, an outfit that I've I, I took like fake blood and um, yeah took in so my... it looked like you had leaked. Yeah, yeah yeah and a woman walked past us filming and she got really um, stressed out I think because I, I saw her in her eyes that she saw my pants and she tried to. Uh, tell me to come over and she started whispering that you should go and change your protection uh, and I was like no this is fake it's supposed oh, to be there uh, yeah. so it's I appreciated her coming up to me and yeah. being really concerned about uh, about it but still it's it also says a lot because I mean I could I could uh, spill some coffee on on a shirt and nobody would think about it and I would just think, oh, well, I have to throw this in the wash when I get home. Uh, but when it comes to periods, it's 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 blood. And it's also from uh, a part of my body where the blood is supposed to be hidden. So it's it's dirty in some way. Yeah, it's very taboo. I know people yeah. have gotten locked out of Instagram, you know, for yeah. sharing pictures yeah. of that. And it just... That just shouldn't be the case. I love that you call menstruation the height of feminism. And I think some of the reasons you've shared, but tell us more about that, why you feel like it is such a feminist issue. It is a feminist issue because it's not only blood. I think if, if if a woman has a nosebleed, it's not a feminist issue because that's not, that's not something that would oppress her in any way that's that's only blood and blood can be only blood when it comes out of the body but not when it comes out of your vagina and i think there's this image of the female body to be 
I think I, I've also written about this in the book that the female body is body parts. Like a man is a, a man or a, a human. And it's like, uh, he, yeah, it's just a person. While a woman is, she's hair, she's lips, she's hips or breasts or uh, waist or whatever. And there's always something that can be better. And there's always something... Um, that can be more beautiful and we're always ju- judged from how beautiful we are and uh, it's 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 like it's more offensive to say that a woman is ugly than to say that she's um, stupid for example and uh, that's something that I think really needs to change and so when when there's a body that's beautiful and um, caring or whatever female um, female treats then uh, if there's if our main purpose is to be beautiful and to be available and be beautiful for men uh, then if there's bloody or if there's if there's blood coming out of uh, the one part of your body that is supposed to be for men, uh, then that's something that we automatically will hide because blood and beautiful doesn't really match. So um, I've already forgotten what the question You're was. You're answering but it beautifully. Yeah. Why it's a feminist issue? Yes. Yeah, so so I guess that when we choose not to hide the blood, like I do, or like you do, or like some people have chosen to do, to speak about it, to say, hey, this is. Uh, biological function in my body it says that I'm an individual and it says that I'm not for somebody else it says that I can work on my own and that's very provoking to some people because that's not the way we're taught yes. how, how it all should be so true so poignant and so beautifully said how do you deal with the naysayers I know you said that criticism gives you fuel yeah it can still be difficult sometimes, you know, when we're seeing the troll comments, however yeah. you want to talk about them. What is your response when people kind of shun or shame your work? I think I've 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 learned how to just go on and keep going. I think when people criticize what I do, I'm I've become good at knowing when I should learn from it. Like when somebody says, you should do this instead, then I'm good at knowing when they're right. And, uh, um, but also it's, there's a big difference between that kind of criticism and the criticism that comes from trolls that say that I'm a, like, have you heard the word feminazi? I have, yes. And that's a funny word. Yeah. Like you take two, two different beliefs that one is, for all people to be equal and one is the complete opposite yeah. and has killed so many people and then some people find it reasonable to just put these two words together biggest can't, oxymoron I yeah can't really understand that um so uh, i think i kind of imagine the trolls being all alone miserable just bad people sitting somewhere in a cottage in the n- lonely part of Sweden uh, just being angry and then I just imagine myself patting them on the head 
being like soya soya sit near <laughs> sit down <laughs> and that's yeah. some way to just keep my energy going yeah uh, to to not be um pushed down by them i, I love that i have to fuel my ego yeah yeah and focusing on the the difference you're making and the the positive the support and people feeling less alone mm. you know because i think it's really isolating when you're struggling with your period and you know i've met so many people who thought they had cancer when they started menstruating mm. because they didn't really realize yeah. that it could come out just in your urine for example yeah. or you know so just undoing all of that and informing people it's just amazing so tell everybody where if they aren't already familiar where they can tune into your your show on youtube and also buy your book if you if if you can search for Clara Henry uh, on YouTube and my channel will appear and I I put out videos every Monday and they're in Swedish but they have English captions so um, yeah if that's might be interesting. a good way for me to start learning Swedish <laughs> yeah it's a beautiful language yeah <laughs> so one last question if you could give advice to somebody out there who's feeling a lot of shame around their own menstrual cycle, yeah. whether it's um, they feel they can't be comfortable in their own home or around other people or they're really struggling in some way. Mm. What would you say to them? Well, I'm thinking of two things. The first thing is that if you have like really bad cramps or a really bad PMS or if your bleeding is really heavy, um, then you can get help you you're not supposed to just suffer through this it's there is help to get and the second thing is that if you're just generally uh, uncomfortable with your period and it's uh, something that you feel ashamed of and you don't want others to know about and you want to just get over this feeling i think i've always thought that this is an internal bleeding that I don't need to call 911 for. <laughs> I survive this every month. There's something inside of me bleeding and I'm such a bad ass girl that I could I couldn't just survive this every month and I think uh, that's it's cool. We're warriors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> chills. That was beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Wishing you all the best in the future and and your book will be available everywhere. Um, as far as I know, it's uh, on Amazon and it's in Barnes and Nobles and it's like 15 pa- uh, no, pounds, uh, dollars. <laughs> Perfect. Wrong country. Um, yeah. Is there something else? It's out on August 15th. Perfect. Beautiful. You can purchase Clara's book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or head over to my website to find direct links. Again, that's augustmclaughlin.com. Now for that awesome gift from Dr. Megan. So she is working with other experts to bring you this amazing video series. And I asked her to weigh in on why she's so passionate about it because, you know, we get approached about a lot of different kinds of online events and things to promote. But this one in particular spoke to Dr. Megan and you will see why. August, I'm really excited today instead of doing, you know, the typical and traditional uh, Ask Dr. Megan Q&A, which of course I love. Today, I really want to uh, let your audience know about an amazing three-part video, uh, free video training series that's coming out and it's gonna be available for a limited time. And that is um, something that what what excites me about that, as you all know, is that I'm passionate about creating relationships you love. And yet 
unfortunately, we're never really taught those skills. Um, if you think about it, it's like you get math and science and humanities, but like, you know, I think the most fundamental thing to our human experience is, um, is the quality of our relationships. And yet we all know, or at least hopefully in listening to Girlfriend Long Enough, you know that, you know, when we find that initial attraction to someone and we don't have chemistry with everyone, um, that initial chemistry and attraction is meant to end, that romantic phase. And I think that that's really when the rubber meets the road in relationships. And that's where I think most of us don't have the actual skills and tools to sort of turn it around. We sort of get stuck in, you know, what we sort of define as that power struggle. I mean, I find it always amazing uh, to notice that which initially drew you to your partner, sort of qualities maybe you wanted more of in yourself or to experience in your life. So it could be something like being with somebody who's laid back or it might feel to you like it's being with someone who's completely on top of things. What's amazing is once the strength is a thing in part you often want to kill off. And by that I mean some often it seems that the laid back, which was amazing, becomes lazy. And the on top of things becomes controlling. And so to me, as I said, the rubber meets the road there. And that's when we really do need relationship skills and tools. And these are teachable and they're evidence-based. I mean, what I love uh, about this program and it's not one that I um, have developed, but it's by Dr. Darcy Starling and her wife, Stephanie uh, Starling. And the thing, um, you know, first of all, they're really being open and uh, vulnerable and sharing sort of their own unique experiences and challenges in their own marriage and relationship. Um, but they also have a collective 30 years of experience. Uh, and Steph, uh, Stephanie in particular, she's also an Imago certified therapist as myself, um, which is based on the work of Harbaugh Hendricks. So what I love about this uh, relationship training series is that it gives you really practical and actionable tools. You know, even just watching that first video, um, of course, I'd love to hear, as I always do, you know, what, what comments or thoughts you have, but they really teach the sort of uh, process of the Imago dialogue. And it's really about how do we communicate in a way to be heard um, and so that our partner can hear us. Uh, because I think that oftentimes emotion uh, really can hijack us from showing up with the best parts of ourselves. So um, to me, this sort of unique opportunity, because unfortunately it's going to be only uh, available for a limited time, is um, making an investment in yourself. And the fact is this investment's free. It's a free series. There's going to be three of them. The first one comes out today. Um, and by just going onto my website, great life, great Great Life, I know my website, <laughs> greatlifegreatsex.com forward slash bootcamp. Uh, you will see the link and the link there will give you access to this uh, video training series. And uh, again, what I'm so passionate about is that everyone hopefully takes the time to slow down and realize that these are skills that we can learn and the benefit of doing so, uh, not only for ourselves, but sort of the cascade. Every relationship, my passion is like every relationship that you touch um, and you help to uh, sort of take to the next level, then that is sort of like that law of attraction, right? It's, um, it really inspires others. And, and that certainly is something, you know, my inspiration is to inspire others to create those relationships they love. So anyway, uh, would love you guys to check out. And uh, I know you'll feel the amazing benefit by looking at this video series. And of course, as always, love to get your comments. So again, go to greatlifegreatsex.com uh, forward slash bootcamp and, you know, look forward to hearing your thoughts and telling you more about it in the next week or two. Thanks so much, Dr. Megan. Doesn't that sound awesome? I love what she was saying about, you know, 
we need to learn the skills to cultivate and attract the relationships that we really, really want to have and and that I believe we all deserve. And the quality of this stuff is really awesome. I've checked it out. I signed up through Megan's link. So I hope you will do the same. Again, go to greatlifegreatsex.com forward slash bootcamp. You can also find the link on my website, augustmclaughlin.com. And if you have a question for Dr. Megan, for me, for both of us, or a topic you are dying to learn more about, please contact us. You can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google, Girl Boner, or search for that hashtag. Otherwise, I'm at August McLaughlin or facebook.com forward slash mygirlboner. You can also email me directly through my website. Just go to augustmclaughlin.com and hit the contact tab. I always protect people's privacy and am so happy to keep your identity confidential. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.